Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 117 is entitled The Disappearing Family. Of the Ten Commandments, one is noted for being a commandment with a promise. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus twenty twelve. The easiest thing to find is data on marriage and divorce. The hardest thing to find is accurate data on marriage and divorce. I don't mean that the surveys are fraudulent or manipulated. It is simply that there are so many variables it is virtually impossible to be 100% accurate. 50% divorce rate is the number that always seems to emerge, but that may merely be a convenient opinion. In 2002, the National Center for Health Statistics released the following data. By age 30, three-quarters of women in the U.S. have been married, and about half have cohabitated outside of marriage, according to a comprehensive new report on cohabitation, marriage, divorce, and remarriage, released today by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. NCHS also found the following. Among the findings in the report, unmarried cohabitations overall are less stable than marriages. The probability of a first marriage ending in separation or divorce within five years is 20%, but the probability of a premarital cohabitation breaking up within five years is 49%. After 10 years, The probability of a first marriage ending is 33%, compared with 62% for cohabitations. That should not come as a very big surprise. Neither should the following data. The Encyclopedia of Children's Health listed the following trends of children from divorced families. Lower education, higher teen pregnancy, more abuse of drugs and alcohol, more high-risk sexual behavior, more likely to join a gang, twice as likely to go to jail, four times as likely to need help for emotional and behavioral problems, more likely to participate in violent crime, more likely to commit suicide, twice as likely to get divorced in adulthood. Today we seem to honor rebellion, dissent, dysfunctional families, breaking family ties, destroying traditions, breaking off from family values, dishonoring parents, devaluing marriage, making the father unnecessary, and even making marriage unnecessary. If moving smoothly from Ozzy and Harriet, and father knows best, to meet the Bundys and modern family are not wake-up calls, what is? What does the Lord mean when he said, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It is an intriguing promise. Behind the chilling promise is its antithesis. If you do not honor thy father and thy mother, then thy days may be short upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The message is clear. The longevity of nations depends on a strong family foundation. This may come as a surprise, but a nation does not have a foundation. Only a family has a foundation. It is in the family, not in the nation, where values are taught. If you want to destroy democracy quickly, then destroy the home. 
Ignoring the declining family is like placing the sightless Samson between the pillars of democracy, and while mocking his blindness, you ignore his strength. The Lord considered the fifth commandment important enough to give a promise that a strong home ensures a strong nation, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That promise is also to our nation, for to us it too is a land of promise. Our history shows that many were brought here by the hand of the Lord to be established as a free people. The fifth commandment is a promise directly from the Lord that this nation will last and remain free if we serve the Lord and maintain strong families and strong family ties. But we are held by the same standards. The blessings the house of Israel received are our blessings if we keep the law of liberty. It was true 4,000 years ago. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it is true today. The promise has never been rescinded. The greatest folly today is the way the government has withdrawn its support from the home and the way the media attacks the traditional family. How on earth building strong homes began to be seen as an attack on women can only be attributed to Lucifer himself. How the hideous horned hyena must laugh. Every attempt to strengthen the family is twisted into an attack on women. Every time someone in power mentions the traditional home, someone else gets offended and claims it is an attack on women. Somewhere in the middle, the issue gets lost. Imagine a society where the majority of children were taught a work ethic in the home, where they were taught the value of an education, the value of honesty, integrity, independence, obedience to law a love for freedom, a respect for the American flag, self-reliance, and a reverence for God by both precept and example. That really was not that long ago. Teachers in today's classroom are seeing the calamity that occurs when parents do not take the time to read to their children. Whereas the first four commandments point back to Egypt, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. The fifth commandment points forward to the promised land. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus 20.12 The Ten Commandments are called by James the Law of Liberty. A quick look shows why. The first commandment establishes one God. In the Lord's Prayer, Christ teaches us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Christ was referring to the first three commandments of the Ten Commandments. Jehovah is the God of the Old Testament. Jehovah is the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. 
and he is teaching us to pray to his Father and to our Father, to his God and to our God. Jesus is the only begotten Son of Elohim, meaning Jesus did not have an earthly father. He had only an earthly mother, giving him a physical body of flesh and bones. Elohim is the father of us all. He is the father of our spirits. We have earthly parents. The earthly family is patterned after the heavenly family. The family is the first foundation of freedom. It is the first order of heaven. The earthly family is established after the heavenly family. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to teach us how to have a successful family government. The Third Commandment teaches us to reverence God and to be self-reliant. We often overlook the attendant commandment, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Self-reliance is essential to a lasting government. The First Commandment establishes God, our Father, as the head of the heavenly family. The Fifth Commandment establishes our earthly parents as the head of our earthly family. The last five commandments teach us how to get along peacefully one with another. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. You can trace the destruction of the family to the violation of the last five commandments. A Jewish proverb says, If you kill a man, you kill a nation. How many families have been separated because of adultery, stealing, lying, and coding? A nation founded on the Ten Commandments could last forever. What would be the enemy? Reverence, self-reliance, family, love, fidelity, integrity, honesty, and restraint establish the absolute boundaries of the family relationship. That is why the fifth commandment comes with the promise it does. In 2012, Meg Jay, a clinical psychologist at the University of Virginia and author of The Defining Decade, Why Your Twenties Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now, Release the following data. Cohabitation in the United States has increased by more than 1,500% in the last half century. In 1960, about 450,000 unmarried couples lived together. Now the number is more than 7.5 million. The majority of young adults in their 20s will live with a romantic partner at least once, and more than half of all marriages will be preceded by cohabitation. This shift has been attributed to the sexual revolution and the availability of birth control, and in our current economy, sharing financial obligations makes cohabitating appealing. In Googling divorce rate in America, I came across the following statistics. 50% of first marriages, 67% of second, and 74% of third marriages end in divorce, according to Jennifer Baker of the Forest Institute of Professional Psychology in Springfield, Missouri. Recently, I saw a sign hung on a wedding chapel in a popular resort town. It read, Wedding Bell Chapel, drive through Ceremony. One drive through marriage was priced at $79. Another sign on a billboard read, Divorce, $299 plus court costs. Walk-ins welcome.
Divorce is far more expensive than marriage. That reminds me of the story of the jilted lover who went to the dervish and asked for a love potion that would make the girl of his dreams dote on him. The price is one dollar, said the dervish. What? So cheap, said the happy young man. He purchased the potion and gave it to his unsuspecting girlfriend. The dervish was correct. She doted on his every word. She wanted to know where he was going and where he had been morning, noon, and night. Finally, the young lover could take it no more. He went back to the dervish for a remedy. The dervish provided another potion to break the spell. How much is it? asked the relieved young man. One thousand dollars, replied the dervish. We live in the real world. As a nation, we are in a dilemma. On the one hand, if the family falls, the nation will fall. That is, the nation we are accustomed to. I doubt if there are computers that can calculate the calamities that will fall on a nation where marriage is no longer practiced by the majority of people. We will not escape the consequences. It will hit at the core of liberty. On the other hand, the state cannot legislate a happy marriage. It cannot outlaw divorce. It cannot make a husband be faithful to his wife or a wife faithful to her husband. In our moral climate, it cannot even require marriage between couples who choose to live together in what used to be called living in sin. It can no longer even define marriage between a man and a woman. In what must be a twist so bizarre that it might be a first in recorded history, we can no longer even determine gender through biological lenses. At any other time, such a delusion would be called insanity. But of course, that word cannot be used because the thought police will call it politically incorrect. The best that those who love liberty can do is to set the example and let their voices be heard. We cannot condemn anyone because their marriage failed. They have pain enough without insensitive voices adding to their misery. People do not enter marriage to get divorced. People do not like loneliness and pain. But we are creating a climate that is antithetical to marriage that penalizes families and encourages divorce. We have even reached the point where stay-at-home moms are mocked in sitcoms. Do you remember the old commercial trying to entice young women to smoke? There were two pictures, one of a haggard housefrau and scullery maid, the other of a beautiful young woman in expensive clothes. The caption read, You've come a long way, baby. It was followed by some of the most ironic words advertising ever invented. Bring home the bacon and fry it in the pan. In other words, instead of one full-time job, women now have the liberty to have two full-time jobs, one at home baking bread and raising their family, and one at work making money so they can pay the mortgage and buy the groceries. Women bought it and men rejoiced. Women today are expected to have a career and care for children also. And as expected, the economy caught up with the trend and made it not a luxury, but a necessity. Rent today is three or four times more than house payments were just a few years ago, and the price of gasoline is climbing toward $5 a gallon and does not expect to end there. Inflation is at an all-time high and climbing. On the one hand, we must be supportive of everything that helps build strong families. On the other hand, we cannot condemn, belittle, insult, or in any way criticize victims of divorce. There's only one righteous judge, and he was very critical of those who throw stones. And the only way we can claim his mercy is if we also show mercy. 
With my large family, divorce is a painful reality, and we all learn quickly that life is not simple. In honor of women who meet the challenges of our day heroically, and as a reality check, I shall conclude with brief excerpts from two women I know very well. My first wife died of cancer. We were happily married for 35 years. Though she had a college degree and a career in teaching, she chose to stay at home to raise her six daughters, and we lived on my own modest salary. My wife chose to do without a lot of nice things. She became a recognized expert in making clothes for herself and her daughters. Later, she was even invited to teach college classes on the subject. Because of my wife's training at home, with the children as her primary focus, all of our daughters now have college degrees. She judged their individual educational needs and helped each child accordingly, taking an active role in their education. Every day after school, she worked with one daughter with a learning disability for three or four hours. She made sure the forgetful daughter brought her homework home and wouldn't let her play until it was finished. That same daughter, who struggled so much in elementary school, overcame her learning disabilities because of her mother and got through a bachelor's degree and a master's degree on her own. She became an outstanding teacher helping other children, and now she is a devoted wife and mother. My present wife, single for 20 years, had to raise her seven children alone. When her husband left after the birth of her seventh child, leaving her with seven children under 10 years old, she was without a job and without an education. She would not take any welfare, therefore she had to work. She held a preschool in the basement of her home, but that was insufficient, and education was essential. Against all odds, while raising her children, she earned a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a Ph.D. She taught elementary school, she became a principal, and she ended her career by teaching teacher education at the university and becoming the head of her department. Her office was down the hall from mine. That, along with ubiquitous matchmaking termites that came out of the woodwork after my first wife's death, is how we met. My first wife Mary and I lived on meager but livable means and were always able to pay our bills. Linda, however, in the early years barely survived in dignified poverty. She reduced the heat in her home in the icy Idaho winters to a minimum. She thawed her frozen pipes with a blowtorch nearly setting the house on fire until a kind neighbor became aware of the problem. At his expense, he insulated the wall. Linda moved a single light bulb from room to room so they would have light. One birthday, her small children saved all their money and bought their mother a box of light bulbs so they could have light in every room. They wrapped the box with all the excitement of seven small children and bursting with excitement. They couldn't wait for her to open her birthday present. Today, her children, all grown, are fiercely independent, all holding down responsible jobs, and I don't know of anyone who works harder. They take their responsibilities as parents very seriously. Because of their extreme poverty, she taught her seven children how to work by precept and by example side by side. They owe it all to their single-parent mother who knew how to roll up her sleeves. Even today, at age 70, Linda cannot rest until she has planted her garden, and at harvest time she spends long hours canning. We do not live in an ideal world. People often rise to the occasion and overcome all obstacles. But if we want to return to prosperity, we must return to the principle of the traditional family. We must restore a climate of self-reliance by making America user-friendly. We're better than in the home to children learn the value of hard work, independence, and self-reliance.
Where better than in the home do they get daily personal attention by someone who puts them first? Where better than in the home do they find models of self-government? Where they receive parental love and one-on-one help? Where better than in the home do they learn the traditions of democracy? Too many children are being raised by the village, on the streets, in gangs, and by television or internet. Those who did not come from the perfect home are not bound forever by imperfect paradigms. The change of the past are the devil's delusion. Single parents, those heroic hearts who sacrifice everything for their children, should receive help without guilt, though they should use wisdom in selecting their benefactors and not let their children become enslaved to a system that never frees them from bondage. We must protect the sanctity of the home or say goodbye forever to freedom as we have known it. 4,000 years of experience should count for something. It is easy to forget how values are really taught. Values may be reinforced and articulated in the classroom or the school or church, but values are taught by example in the home. The heart and habit, not the tongue, teach values. It is one thing to tell someone to be honest. It is another thing to teach them honesty through example. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.